Hey everybody, welcome to Real Life Online this weekend. Um, of course, canceled services because of the weather, in, in part the frigid temperatures outside when many of our volunteers get up in the morning and head into the building. Um, but also just like, uh, as I said in the email on Friday, uh, Amber was the only one that was scheduled this weekend to be down in the kids ministry. Um, I've been sick all week, so it's actually Friday uh, afternoon, uh, late afternoon, evening for me. Um, but I wanted to share some things with you this weekend, intended to do that in, in church with you, um, but, but because of, of no service, I still wanted to get some things out and give us an opportunity to get together um, here on Sunday morning. And so um, we've got a couple things coming up on the 21st, next Sunday the 21st, and the following Sunday the 28th. Um, that's all, all part of our We Are the Church series and kind of gearing us up for the rest of 2024. And I wanted to use this weekend to really kind of prep that and push it and, and make sure you understand uh, what's going on and what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. Um, so uh, so that's why we're, we're here and that's what I want to share with you this morning. Um, the 21st and again on the 28th, at the end of service, uh, set up in the auditorium, we're gonna have what we're calling a, a ministry fair for our life teams. So life teams are what we're calling um, the ministry teams within uh, the church. So they consist primarily of worship and hospitality, uh, the Life Kids ministry, our welcome team, and um, building and grounds. And so primarily those five areas are what we're looking at right now. And so on the 21st and the 28th, uh, we're going to have uh, representatives from each of those teams uh, set up at tables around the auditorium after the service. And so you're going to be able to go to that area. Um, I, I think we might have signs up on the on the wall or something or hanging from the pipe and drape. And, um, but you'll be able to go to that area. You'll be able to ask questions of the team leader or maybe some volunteers uh, already about what's involved. Um, you'll learn things like the time commitment involved in that particular ministry, how often you have to serve, that kind of thing. Uh, again, ask questions of the team leader. Um, and then uh, really just trying to get us all connected into uh, helping every person possible find real life in Jesus and looking more like him every day. And we know that serving is part of the way that we look more like Jesus. And so um, serving on one of these life teams is, is part of that uh, process. And like we know there's schedules, there's issues and there's things. And so um, there's there's ways that you can be involved, not just on Sunday morning, and maybe Sunday morning's rough for you uh, during church or whatever. Um, and so we've got some things that are, that are happening during the week um, that you can be involved with. Uh, so uh, we're going to be doing that the 21st and the 28th after service, uh, and we'll talk more about that, of course, next week, and there'll be more information um, probably in next Friday's uh, email uh, newsletter. Um, and if you don't get that, just go to reallifecc.us, click that orange icon in the bottom right-hand corner, and then click on newsletter, and you'll get signed up um, to make sure that you can be a part of that. Um, serving is a big part of how we look more like Jesus. Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served. 
and ultimately then to give his life as a ransom for everybody. And so this is a part of Jesus' makeup, his character, how he how he lived. And in fact, um, one of the things that I'm doing through this series is looking at Jesus' relationship with his 12 disciples, those closest guys that were with him through his three and a half year ministry. How did Jesus interact with them? How did he lead them? How did he disciple them in that process? And, and what I think is going on here is in this relationship between Jesus and his disciples, we have kind of a, a, a micro picture of the church. Like we might call it church uh, 1.0. <laughs> like there's a first idea of what it means to be a part of a group of people who are following Jesus um, and, and living according to these new Jesus kingdom principles. And so when Jesus, uh, the Gospels begin, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, when the Gospels begin and, and Jesus begins to teach and he begins to call these 12 guys to follow him. And so the question is, what does that relationship look like as he, as he calls them? Uh, how does he function within that as they um, come alongside, they learn like who he is, what he believes? And then how does that play out in Jesus' everyday life? Uh, and, and so Jesus calls these disciples and he just begins to, to live with them and to lead them through his example. In the, in the Old Testament, New Testament, the idea of being a disciple um, meant that you actually, in most cases, would live with the master, with the guy that you are following, whether that be a... Um, uh, like carpentry or uh, some other journeyman kind of thing, you would actually live with the teacher and learn from them. Like they would provide for your room and board while you learned from them and then you'd carry on that role. And so um, for these 12 guys to be Jesus' disciples, they lived with him, they followed him, they watched him. He was with them pretty much 24 seven. Um, so it's a very intimate um, relationship and, um, and and so we see in that relationship, like the very beginning, like just the bud, uh, the seed of what the church would become. And so um, as, you, as you look at the story of Jesus and his ministry, in the first three years of his ministry, um, th there was a, this, this kind of pattern. I don't know if we call it a pattern, but in, in the Gospels, you see Jesus just really teaching large groups of people um, about the kingdom of God and, and teaching in a way that was different from the religious leaders and the priests, the people who had followed him. Um, just the way he shared, the way he talked, people said things like he, he speaks with authority, like he, like he understands what this kingdom is supposed to be like. It, it was really pretty neat and revolutionary thing. And so as we look at, at the gospels and what Jesus did, it's just story after story of Jesus serving other people, meeting the needs of the people that he just came in contact with in his everyday life. It's, it's almost like Jesus just gets up kind of wherever he is and he walks out the door and wh wherever people begin to gather, whatever's going on, Jesus is just like, well, there's God's involved in there. And so let's just see what happens. And so sometimes he's... Um, by the Sea of Galilee, 
sometimes he's in town, sometimes he's south in Jerusalem or Bethany, sometimes he's up north um, in Galilee or Nazareth or that area, Capernaum. Um, sometimes he's in the middle section in Samaria, which was like no man's land for the Jews. And so Jesus just takes these opportunities wherever they uh, arise to serve people. And, and so here's what I mean by, by serve people. Whatever need that person had, he, he's just meeting that need. So sometimes that need is uh, he is a long way from town. He's out kind of in the middle of nowhere. He's on a hill and he's teaching a large group of people. And they've been there listening to him for a couple days like just talk and talk and talk and and they don't have any food and so jesus provides them a meal that happened two times another time he's he's walking through a crowd because there's a guy whose daughter is sick and dying and he's gonna go meet that need and he's gonna bring the ultimately bring the daughter back to life of course she hasn't died by that point and so he's just gonna go make her well but then in the midst of that um, process of, of going to, to that guy's house, um, another woman touches him and she's sick. And so she gets healed. And then he goes to the guy's house and, and brings the daughter back to life. And, and another time he, he's on the road and he just stops because a guy shouts to him and says, hey, I'm blind and I'd like to see. And so Jesus goes and gives him his sight back. And so he, he, he teaches and he, and he, um, he makes the blind see and he makes the lame walk and he brings people back from the dead and he feeds the hungry. Um, there, there are people with leprosy who call out to him and he, and he goes to them and he touches them, which is something you didn't do back then. Um, and, and, he, and he heals them and he restores them. And, and so for three years, the disciples just watch Jesus serve every person that came along in, in his life. He served people who who they would have considered was below him. He served children and and, and families. He served Samaritans, um, people that no other Jew would talk to. If there was an opportunity to serve, Jesus did it. For, for three years plus, the disciples just watched Jesus do this over and over again. And and Luke tells us that 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 there's this this point. Actually, Luke and Mark talk about this point where where Jesus um, comes to this time about three years in and he asked his disciples, uh, who do people, who, who does the general populace say that I am? And, and then he said, who do you as my disciples, as my closest friends as, and confidants, my kind of this seed of the church, who do you think I am? And then Peter, and of course the rest of the disciples agreed with him. Peter makes that famous statement, you are the, the Christ, meaning the king, the promised king. The, the Son of God. And then everything begins to change because from that point until Jesus' death, there are three times that Luke records, Jesus says, okay, I'm the promised king. I want you to know that I came to die for you and that, that I'm going to go to the cross, that I'm, that I'm going to die. And of course, the disciples, they don't, that's not what they want to hear. They don't think that's the way the kingdom is going to end. And so they, they have to learn through that. But, but that begins to happen, like things change, and Jesus begins to say, um, I'm, like, this road is leading me to the cross. And then he continues to serve. And so we see Jesus teaching um, the, the people uh, after this kind of midway point, uh, he teaches people, 
and then he teaches the disciples and then he teaches a large group of people and then he he kind of hones in on some things with the disciples and makes sure that they understand it they get it because they're the guys who are going to who are going to start the church and so they have to understand what this Jesus kingdom is all about and so Jesus teaches and then the disciples try, and they're tested, and, and, then, and then Jesus teaches them again, and then they kind of try again, and they're tested, and then he teaches some more. So it's just this recurring thing um, that happens as they, they go along um, until this three-year period, and now Jesus is prepping them for, I'm going to die, and you're going to have to take over this ministry. And so the, the very last thing, so after after three and a half years of, of Jesus just living out what it means to serve people, people who are, are below you in, in station, socioeconomic, politically, um, spiritually, whatever, like Jesus served them all. And, and it kind of all comes to a head on the night that Judas is going to betray Jesus. Like all the things that the disciples have been watching over the last three and a half years, They've been watching Jesus serve and Jesus help and Jesus teach. And it kind of all comes to this culmination on the night that he is um, betrayed. And so I want to just read that um, to you from uh, John chapter 13. Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. So he's going he's gonna to die, he's going to go to the cross. Now having loved his own who were in the world, so these are disciples and followers of his, he continued and he loved them to the end. So, so he loved them up to this point and then he's going to keep loving them is what um, John is trying to tell us. So during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. So Judas has already made the plan. He's already like gotten paid for this thing. Um, this is happening. And now they're at supper, and Judas is a part of the 12 disciples that are with, with Jesus. Verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose up from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel, and he tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, culturally, there's something you need to, to know here. Um, washing feet was just a very practical thing. If you welcome somebody into your home, the first thing that you did was uh, offer them um, a, a place to wash their feet off before they kind of came into the house and you had dinner or you hung out and talked or whatever. Typically, that act of washing feet was the role of the youngest person in the home like the like this was the bottom rung of the stair uh of of the house and um you know if dad was on the top rung then this is like the lowest the youngest kid this was their job it was a very menial task it was it was um seen as like is this not fun like just imagine everybody that you know wears open-toed sandals and they live in a desert and it's dusty and gross all the time. The things that you walk in and walk through all day long and you come into the house and it's the youngest person in the house's job to get this basin and water and to wash all the grime and the dirt and the junk 
off of your feet so you can relax and in, enjoy the meal or whatever. So Jesus be, being the top, in fact, John's going to say like, Jesus is, is the king, and yet he stops the supper, he puts a towel around his waist, and he does this menial task of washing the disciples' feet. But while he's doing this, he washes Judas's feet and, and the other disciples, and then he gets to Peter, and, and John takes some time talking about Jesus watching Peter's feet. And I think Peter probably would have been diagnosed with like ADHD or something um, if he'd have been alive today. Because Jesus comes to Peter and he's going to wash his feet, and Peter immediately says, no, you're not washing my feet. Like, like, and, and it seems like it's a good thing. Like Peter's going, no, I'm supposed to serve you. You are like, you're not going to do that. And then Jesus says, like, if you don't, if I don't wash you, Peter, then you can't be a part of this kingdom. And then Peter, he like switches gears really fast. And he's like, well, then if I can't be a part of the kingdom, unless you wash me, then wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, like you're taking this too far. Again, like you always, like too far, Peter. That's what Jesus said all the time. Um, and so he's like, no, that's that's not the point, Peter. All I got to do is wash your feet, man. You're clean already. You just need, like, just let me do this. But John tells the story about Jesus and Peter because he wants to get to the end. And um, in the last half of verse 10 and then verse 11, it says this. Um, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, you all are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are are clean. So Judas is there. He's around the table and Jesus is going around and washing all of their feet and he washes the feet of the guy who's going to betray him. Verse 12 says this, when he had washed their feet and when he had put on his outer garments and resumed his place at the head of the table, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And, and then he goes on to explain. I mean, he's like, I'm like, do you understand? I'm going to tell you what it, what it means. You call me teacher and Lord. You call me the, the, the king. I'm the rabbi. I'm the one at the top. And you're right, because that's who I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, if I've done this lowliest of tasks, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. If, if I'm willing to, to stoop down and do this job that nobody wants to do, then all of you should be fighting for the opportunity to do this just like I have done. In verse 15 he says, in this I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant, which is there, his servants, he's the king, right? So we're all his servants. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And so if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he, here's the point. Jesus, our king, the king of the church, the son of God who died for our sin, not only lived a life of service, serving every person that he possibly could. Anytime anybody came in, he served them. And then on the night he was going to be betrayed, he washes the feet of the guy who's going to kiss him on the cheek and betray him to the Romans and to the religious elite um, of the Jewish people. And he washes that guy's feet knowing what's going to happen. And he says to the rest of the disciples, 
This is an example that you should do as I have done. Serving is a core part of not only who Jesus is, but who we are as the church. And it's a struggle because everybody's busy and we've all got things going on in our lives. And if you've got kids, you've got sports and you've got events and you've got all these things. But as you look around the church on, on Sunday morning or, or just theoretically look around the church, you see people serving in areas that have kids, that have crazy schedules, that have crazy work um, schedules and, and shifts. And, and yet, they care enough about God and what Jesus has called us to do. And they really, they care enough about you and me to show up and to serve others. And, and let me say, not every job that we need done within the church to, to do church on Sunday morning is something that, that we all look forward um, to doing. And, and, and yet we have people that, that do it. Uh, and, and so we, we have all these there. We have worship and hospitality and life kids and the welcome team and building and grounds. And these people show up um, during the week or early on Sunday morning, a lot of times bringing their kids along uh, and their kids just sit or, <laughs> or help or do other things while these people are, are, are getting church ready for you and for me to be able to enjoy. is why we're in church and in worship as adults, being able to sing and to listen to the message. We're able to do that and to concentrate because other people have given up the right and the, and the opportunity to be in church and worship to make sure that our kids are learning about Jesus on their level. And that's what we want. Like they're doing it because they love kids and they love to teach them about Jesus. But they're also doing it so that the rest of us can be in church and in worship without some of those distractions that just happen. So we can learn and we can listen and we can follow along. Um, and we have people show up early to, to get coffee ready and get communion ready and make sure all of that is set out and ready so that when we come to church, we can participate in these things. Like somebody has to do all the things that need to be done to make sure that we can just have church on Sunday, that we can have a building to come to that's not just trashy all the time. And so um, we want to give you the opportunity and, and not just give you the opportunity. We need you to take advantage of the opportunity to serve one another like Jesus did, to follow that example of Jesus doing the, the, the most um, menial and degrading task of his day. Like that's washing the feet was the most degrading task um, in a household of Jesus' day. And he did that as an example for the rest of us. And, and so the next two Sundays, the 21st and the 28th, our ministry team leaders are going to be around the auditorium. And, and we're just going to invite you to ask questions and, and really ask you to get involved, to find an area of ministry that you can help with. You might have read in the, in the newsletter, I mentioned at the beginning of this, that, that um, the volunteers in our kids' ministry, for one reason or another, um, were unable to, to be in church this weekend. Uh, and I, I think there was some sickness and there's some other things going on and, and Amber didn't have anybody to cover it. 
And so she was going to be in there all alone this weekend. If we're going to help our kids learn about Jesus on their level and we're going to put out a, a, a top-notch kids program for the people who come, um, we've got to have volunteers in that in that ministry. And if we're going to make sure that the building looks nice, we've got to have people who are willing to come and, and give up a Friday or a Saturday, even a Sunday morning early, um, to come and, and make sure that the trash is out and that bathrooms look nice and, and there's not trash all over in the hallways. And, and like we're working in here, like this is an active construction goes. There's always stuff that needs to be cleaned up and needs to be done as we're working um, on the building. And so I, I just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk to you about like so much of Jesus' life was serving so much of what the church was about in the very beginning was about serving. And Jesus gave this greatest example on the night that he was going to go uh, in the process of the cross. And he took the time out to do this most degrading task and say, if, if I'm willing to serve and to do these things and to give up um, the things that I like for you, then you need to be willing to do that for others. It's a die-hard principle of the church, servant leadership. Um, and, and so be thinking about that, be praying about that. And our management team and our ministry team leaders, we're praying for you, we're praying for more people to step in and to step up in, in serving to make sure that we have enough volunteers for all of our areas so that we are covered so that we're, we're teaching kids about Jesus, so that we're giving people coffee so that they can make connections and build relationships. So we have a building that's presentable enough when people come in, like even with the construction and the stuff that they're like, well, it's not trashy, so that's nice. Um, we want you to get involved. And, and here's the thing that I think is, is probably most important. What we see in the disciples, not just following Jesus, but then after Jesus dies and they begin to start the church, what do they do? They serve one another and they serve um, the people that they come in contact with. So they begin to live out what Jesus told them on the night that he was betrayed. And then they call us to do the same thing, to get involved and to serve. So be in prayer about how or where God might want you to get involved. I know it's not always going to be easy. And if it just like, if you try it and you just hate it and it's not good, then just try another, like we're much more willing to, to give you opportunities to try things out than just to have you say, no, I'm not interested, no thank you. Um, so let us help you find a place that you can serve, that you can get involved, so that you can look more like Jesus every day, all right? Um, thanks for joining me this morning. Let me pray for us. Uh, and then I hope that you are warm. I hope that you're cozy and comfortable this morning. And um, I hope your pipes work and your water works. And we got no issues when we come back together next week. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for just loving us and for giving us this example of service. I, I pray, God, that I would have that heart to serve wherever you open those doors. And I pray that each and every one of us as a part of real life would know what it means to serve and, and to look more like you in this area. And so help us to be a church that serves each other 
um, that serves those who come in on Sunday morning, our, our, our guests and our regulars, and then serves our community and, and, and the greater area as well. Because it was so key, was such a key part of the church and um, what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. So help us be a, a kingdom of priests and a kingdom of servants here at Real Life. Thanks for loving us and for taking care of us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you this coming Sunday, the 21st. At the end of the service, we'll have our ministry fair. I hope that you will get involved.